Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. It is a banner start to the sports weekend, coming off of a grand weekend of football and beyond. The puck is now dropped. Dynamite stuff there. College football with an all-time classic. Maybe too many points for the curmudgeons out there down in Knoxville, Tennessee, but for normal people. Grand stuff watching the Vols finally get over the hump against the Tide, how that will impact the rankings long-term. We know what it did in the short-term, but long-term we'll see what that means for the Final Four. Very hard to get all three of Georgia, Tennessee, and Bama into that Final Four. We'll see what happens there and focus in on that. Um, at a later date because we, we have much to get to. The Yanks and the Guardians are playing a big game five, Major League Baseball already on the wrong side of history with the way this thing has gone. I told you, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. I've been saying it for years. This is a rubbish approach to baseball. It is intrinsically not built for short series. It it, it just completely eliminates 162 games worth of evidence. It stinks. The Dodgers are done. The Metropolitans are done. Basically, all the good teams are done, save the Astros and now the Yankees. Eddie Spaghetti, you ready for this one emotionally and otherwise? Uh, I guess I'm ready. Uh, I'm very up and down. The game, uh, game three was so frustrating. Game four, hopefully a little bit better. Like you said, I mean, it was a lot better. Game five, who knows? But being in the Bronx is great. Like you said, you know, the 162 game season, then being thrown out the window and having to use like bullpen matchups is is insane. Um, Not that I care about the state of baseball, but, you know, especially with so much talk this year about how baseball is unwatchable, nobody cares, not having the Yankees or a major organization like the Dodgers in the final four is pretty lackluster. Um, and especially cause I think that Houston would take care of business with Cleveland pretty easily. Um, oh they yeah, they so, would. Yeah. So it I, really I just feels like a deal with the devil, right? I mean, yeah. it's exactly goes back to Bud Selig, like, Hey, we'll get more ratings if more eyeballs from more fan bases are on us through the regular season. But this is what you get. Now you get these garbage 87-win teams that have no business even being in the postseason. Now knocking off teams that had historic records. And I'm not crying for the Dodgers. Believe me, I'm not a, I'm not a Dodgers guy. It's not for that. I, just, I, I believe in merit, and I think the way baseball works is that when you win 100-some ball games over the course of 162, obviously you're legit, and the warped bullpen use and starting pitchers and everything else just kind of gets the game away from what it was the entire regular season. I don't care for it. I don't want to spend any more time talking about baseball, though, because I'm over the moon about the Pittsburgh Steelers victory. I did not see it coming. I thought they were going to get housed with zero uh, recognizable members of the secondary present there against the GOAT Tom Brady and just a rookie Kenny Pickett who gets knocked out and Mitchell Trubisky. How about this? Who, I mean, the unpredictable nature of pro football. You have the GOAT, Tom Brady, and he was not the worst of the two quarterbacks. He he was the third best quarterback on the field on Sunday in uh, in Akershire. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy. Believe me, obviously, the Steelers season is kind of salvaged, and it doesn't mean I think they're going to the playoffs or anything like this. But hear me now and believe me later. I thought after the loss to the Buccaneers, that was going to be the very bottom of the barrel, and it would be a great time to jump in on the Steelers' season win total down at four and a half or whatever um, because everybody would be out on them. Now they're presenting as a little bit relevant. I, I uh, Listen, 
This isn't pie-eyed optimism. I think that they are going in the back half of the season when they get T.J. Watt back, are going to bump up there. So they're going to be a little bit of a factor. They're not a Super Bowl contender, of course. And who really deserves the Super Bowl shot is the big picture. I want to talk with that about the guy who does the power rankings over there at the NFL, our guy Dan Hanzoos, in just a second here. We're going to get his thoughts on who's good. This is the ongoing conversation. The mediocrity is not satisfying, at least to me. And my team is one of the mediocre teams. Um, but I don't know that there's you know, just garbage in existence. I guess the Houston Texans are the closest to that, maybe. Um, and, you know, you saw the Bills. They present as a real, true juggernaut. You saw what they did in Arrowhead. And the Eagles are very good, but there are still questions about what's going to happen with them come January. Um, so I want to dive in on that one. Real quick, though, Eddie Spaghetti, I saw you on social media. A great win um, for Tennessee for college football. It's nice to see the one of the powerhouse teams get taken down. It's always fun to see an upset because unlike in the NFL and unlike in the baseball playoffs, that's the what I get at when I say I find it unsatisfying. Is it a surprise that an 87-win team gets over on a 110-win team in a short series? No, that's that's what can happen when you have one hot pitcher go into a short series like that. You, the whole thing can be erased on you. And the NFL, more and more, no matter what the matchup is, no matter what the point spread is, they kind of feel like coin flips. This was nice to see. Tennessee mm. felt like maybe they're legit, but they have to do it against Bama, and they vanquished uh, the biggest bully on the block the tide and Nick Saban was throwing a fit on the sideline juicy stuff right it was an all-time game um I you know had I was obviously rooting for Tennessee one of our mutual friends Sully obviously huge Tennessee Volunteers fan and I I was actually at a Tennessee bar in uh near Westwood uh the Los Angeles area and so it was it was electric in there and you know they haven't won and beat Alabama in 16 years I believe the last home victory uh, was in 1989, which is just crazy to think about the dominance of Alabama over this team. And, uh, you know, they have the Heisen candidate and, and Hendon Hooker, I mean, had a, an awesome, you know, five touchdown passes all to the same receiver, Hyatt, which is incredible. And, you know, no one feels bad for Alabama or Nick Saban, but I have to give credit to Bryce Young, who I'm a, a large fan of. Like, I mean, he was getting slammed in that game. And, and college is so quick to throw penalties on, you know, quarterback hits, targeting, every, obviously every game we see players got ejected and he was getting knocked around so much and he just stayed in that game he kept them in that game he was so slippery um you know just finding a way to make plays but Tennessee they you know Alabama showed some holes versus A&M with their backup quarterback they were sloppy a ton of penalties and Tennessee is for real and it's just really funny too that after that whole you know the victory obviously they steal the goalpost electric scene there but then the polls come out and Alabama only dropped from like whatever they were like two or three to number six so um and then what's going to happen is Tennessee is going to I hate more than Tennessee I hate more that Tennessee isn't number one what I mean, that's empirical yeah. evidence. That's yeah. that's ranking. They just beat they beat just beat Alabama. That's a yeah. better win than Georgia has. Ergo, they vault for the time being. They jump Georgia, who uh, hasn't really uh, beaten anybody yet. You're right? right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's big win was over Oregon, still a Pac-12 team, and they did house them in defense. But uh, and then other, uh, and I was reading about this. A lot of voters did say 
that Tennessee's, you know, their victories are a lot better than not only Ohio State's, but also um, uh, George's as well. Obviously, you know, Ohio State beats Notre Dame. That was ranked, but Notre Dame's no longer ranked. So, like, that victory doesn't look as good. Um, but Ohio State's offense is scoring at a crazy clip. So, that's really, like, they're probably ahead. And and I think also with the Georgia thing is that they have to eventually play Tennessee in the title game, uh, the SEC title game, that is. So, I, I think that they're already people are already assuming, like, well, Georgia's going to beat Tennessee – um, and you, unfortunately for Tennessee, it's like you have to run the table uh, and you have to also hope for an Alabama loss along the way, because I just still think that just because it's Alabama and even if, if Tennessee loses, like Alabama may leapfrog them because you still have, you know, Clemson's not playing great. Like they're they're playing some close games versus NC State versus FSU. They're going to be there. The USC loss does help Tennessee down the road. Obviously, uh, the, the loss to Utah is big because now you, they're no longer undefeated. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tennessee, unfortunately, they're gonna have to play pretty clean football because the, just the way this nation is in terms of voting, getting these teams in Alabama is always going to get the nod over them. And I, I think that is unfair I, because Tennessee is, is for real. I, you can't put three sec teams in there. It's gotta be if at, at worst, maybe Clemson gets one of those slots too. And that would be deserved if they run the table, but Michigan, Ohio state, if the only loss either one of them has is in that head to head. I say put two Big Ten teams in there before you put three. I do think Hendon Hooker now has the inside track on the Heisman. Stroud remains relevant in that conversation. It's yeah. remarkable with all the predictions and and uh, and every every book in the land weighing in and creating the odds. You think we would have a finer sense of because um, it's not. NFL football and who's your favorite. You would think there would be a, a, a stronger sense of like, yeah, that guy's going to get it. Um, and, and how unpredictable it's been over the last decade. Cause I don't think anybody saw hooker coming as a, as a guy who was going to be in New York city when the award was announced. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he I mean, transferred. Bryce Young can't get it now. Bryce Young no, I, I think it's CJ Stroud's award to lose. Probably. Um, and I, think, they, well, I think I, I go hooker now. You know, I mean, he was, I think, he was reminiscent of, you know what he was reminiscent of? Joe Burrow. Just over and over, just every ball he threw was a, just a deep shot and every one of them connected. It was crazy. It was like watching LSU, what was that, two, three years ago now? Yeah, I mean, Hendon Hooker, you know, transferring from, from Virginia Tech where nobody was really talking about him at all and then comes to an SEC team and makes them a legitimate candidate. And it's funny, too, a lot of this offseason, we were talking about the expansion of college football and does it really matter if you go from four teams to eight teams because it'll just be the same four at the end anyway. Weirdly enough, this is the year uh, where eight teams actually probably would have been really good because there are a lot of good teams around there. Like we're saying, you, you have three in the SEC at minimum. You have two in the Big point. You're two right. in the two You're in the right. Big Ten, and I do think I did tweet this. Like Michigan sneakily, this is a the, probably the best coaching job by by Jim Harbaugh because of like you know the, the the double quarterbacks. Then you have you you lose a lot of guys in the draft. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson is like you know the, the top player they lose, but their defense is playing really well. Their offensive line is just manhandling people, and I think they do have a shot at beating Ohio State if they can continue to run the ball the way they are and they can control the clock. Because um, if not, Ohio State's going to put up forty points, no problem. So I mean, so those. Those two teams, the Big Ten, you have the Pac-12, which is the first time they're having, you know, uh, the this this uh, UCLA game. It's upcoming this Saturday. It's like the first time you have two top 10 ranked uh, Pac-12 teams in like a handful of years. So you have a lot of teams there. Um, you know, TCU, Oklahoma State, another great game this week. And it went to overtime like they're they were both undefeated. So there's a lot of really good teams this year and they could have used the eight. Um, and unfortunately, this this, you know, this final four may be a mess now with a team that's probably deserving to be left out. But um, and it I all, guess the expansion is a good thing. 
it does almost always resolve itself down to one questionable team or two. Like all these, te- I I hear you completely, but the head-to-heads tend to make sense of things. A month from now, we'll look back and be like, remember we thought that team might uh, get into the Final Four? Uh, but I hear your larger point, and this would be a, a great season to have a little deeper um, playoff system in place there. I still can't believe Pitt took with its backup QB on one leg, took that Tennessee team to overtime. Really mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but uh, all right, let's get into it. Let's talk some pro football now with our guy, Dan Hanzoos. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Hey, listen up, sports fan. This message is for you. Your first bet with Caesar Sportsbook and Casino, it's on Caesars, up to $1,250. Download the app with promo code C-Z-R-F-U-L-L and place your first bet. If you win, muzzle tub. If you don't, You'll get it all back as a free bet. That first bet also gives you 1,000 tier credits and 1,000 reward credits, putting you closer to the types of perks, game tickets, experiences, and more. And because Caesar plays by the rules, here comes the lengthy, responsible gaming disclaimer. 21 and over, must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or our nation's capital. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT. Step, Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY, Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, here we go, everybody. Over the moon to be visited by this fellow once again after far too long. And that's on me. You know him from the Around the NFL podcast. Glad to see you guys stuck with that thing. You're still doing it. Good for you. 
Um, also, his weekly power rankings are the stuff of legend at this point. Pat McAfee and beyond celebrate his work <laughs> there every week. And of course, his proudest moniker these days, he is a New York Jets fan. It's Dan Hanzoos. What's the poop, fella? What's up, Dave? Great to be back on the show. And it is strange. It's weird. You know, I'm in the middle of a Yankee playoff run and... All of a sudden, there's a little bit of house money in my uh, sports fandom because I got the Jets not embarrassing themselves. So, like, I'm not sure what to do with this, uh, but uh, I'm enjoying it. And thanks for having me on. I, I will see right out of the gate. You you go in with something I kind of want to talk about, about philosophically, about uh, about the psychological approach. You're a Jets fan, so you've been down and out for pretty much your entire life. couple blips here with Chad Pennington and the Sanchez and so on, but for the most part, I, I don't think you're going to push back too hard at me at that. And see, right out of the gate, four and two, you just went into Lambo and vanquished Rodgers. The, the win over Pittsburgh is, is, is nothing by comparison. At this point, a three-game roll, Flacco took down the Brownies. It's a magical year, and all all you have to say is, hey, the Jets ain't embarrassing themselves so far. Yeah, and that, but that kind of, it's been a hell of a ride. And Shaq, you go all the way back. Uh, you really originated the Around the NFL podcast in a lot of ways with the Dave Damashek football program. And the entire time that I've been at that company, uh, they've always sucked. The Jets have always sucked. So it's, it's actually kind of surreal to be sitting in the newsroom on Sundays and the Jets to be thriving the way they did. And yes, I think it's interesting, like the way this is ramped up. And I'm by no means saying I think the Jets now are going to go all the way. But hey, the NFL is kind of weird after those three good teams. Um, but the win over the Browns, that was the miracle like win. That's just like, wow, that's weird. That's the type of thing that happens to us. The Steelers win was not a miracle, but it was like, oh, we could come back and take a win away from a team uh, that we think we're better than. And then the Dolphins win, their third win, was the game that they jumped out to a lead. And all of a sudden, it's a one-point lead in the fourth, and they t- hit the pedal and blew out a rival. And I was like, wait a second. Now these baby Jets are believing with themselves, believing in themselves. And I think that's what you saw at Lambeau Field, a young Jets team that has confidence, that believes it can win, and a head coach that empowers them. And they just blow Aaron Rodgers and company off the field. I'm legitimately excited because of the landscape of the NFL. I'm in the midst of writing the power rankings this morning, Dave. And it's like, like I said, you have Bills, you have Chiefs, you have Eagles. And then it's a wide open. Who's the fourth best team in the league? Why can't it be the Jets? It could be anybody. I want to dip. I want to listen. Believe me. I want the main event of this conversation to be the Jetropolitans and beyond. But (laughs) I do take issue right out of the gate with your your alleged big three there. Also, shout out to you. I think this was um, I think this was a, a a tip of the cap to me, literally and figuratively, that you wore your Yankees cap and gave me a nice little win here in the hair department. <laughs> in, in my heyday, at, at at the height of my follicle powers, if you know, if I knew. Then what I know now, combined with the hair I had back in my 20s, I would be a U.S. senator at this point. <laughs> and yet, I, you know, I concede that at this point, you know, uh, the, the hair gods have done their thing. To me, they've given me the flesh yarmulke. You probably <laughs> have this side of less sneed, at least. The, you are the <laughs> champ of hair in pigskin circles. But you wore a cap today. Yeah, I, and I, I always you saw you as like, not that I knew you in your 20s, Dave, uh, but like a non-Gentile Jack Kennedy, like rising up in, mm. in uh, government structure and uh, 
you know, that was taken from you, I guess. But at the same time, I think in general, you're really uh, holding up well. I still find you attractive in a non-sexual uh, way. Well, th- th- that uh, that hits me uh, right right in the uh, the old ticker there, Dan. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, like Jack Kennedy, he went from the military to the presidency. I went from uh, wisecracking <laughs> on late night variety shows to flapping my gums about mediocre football teams that reside on the banks of the Three Rivers. So let's yeah. get into that a little bit here. Um, and then I want to give you some power ranking stuff too. But again, go back on what you just said there. The big three. Are we sure the Chiefs count as being that? I know that they deserve our praise because, you know, in the year to the week to week league, let alone year to year. Okay. They've, they've been in the mix and deserve mentioning as a Super Bowl contender for five years now. And I'm including this season, um, six weeks in here, but are you sure that this is a team that is head and shoulders above anybody besides, I mean, the bills took care of them. Um, the the Eagles have yet to lose, so of course they go above the Chiefs. I would think, right? And yes. and the 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 Chiefs at home have lost to the Bills. They should have lost to the Raiders. That the overturn of the Devontae Adams catch late um, that was the last right call. Monday night. That was the right call. No, 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 no. You can't overturn that. If if you called on the field a no catch, I would be okay with it. Go back and look at that. He does possess the ball. And certainly you can't overturn that one. So the Raiders maybe win that game or or likely win that game, I think, the way field goal kickers are going these days. And, of course, the Chargers, if not for a ridiculous defensive hold that was called a, a phantom hold late in the first Shaq, half, the Chargers stop. smoked that Shaq, thing. you're Come above on. this. You're above this, Jack. You sound like me Why? talking about the Patriots from, like, 2002 to 2018 or 19. Like... Oh, no, they're not this good because they should have lost this game and this shouldn't have happened and this should have happened. But the Chiefs are one of those teams that are a great team, well run, well coached with one of the best quarterbacks ever. And they do always do find a way. But the bigger thing with, with it is this, Shaq. Like you could argue that the Chiefs maybe aren't that maybe it should be seen as a big two with with uh, the Eagles, of course, and the Bills. But tell me anyone else that should be nipping at the Chiefs heels at number three, because that's why it's so strange. I think it's my fourth year doing, doing the power rankings. And I've never been in a situation where I am entering week seven here, where there are three teams that I know are the top three teams in my mind. And then starting with number four, like I'm thinking like, are the five and one Vikings number four in the power rankings? No, the Vikings aren't that good, but who goes above the Vikings? Like it's, it's a very strange landscape in the league right now. And I think the Chiefs, even though they maybe are not the Chiefs of a couple of years ago, they're still a, a studly team that went punch for punch with the Bills, came out on the wrong end on Sunday. But still, to me, they're one of the very best teams in a league that is very, you could say, watered down. You could say parity is taken over to the next level. But I still think the Bills are cut above all these other teams. That that's my theme of the week is and I, I don't mean to be a curmudgeon about it. It, it is what it is what it is. Um, but parody sucks. And so the NFL season so far leaves me uninspired. I mean, the, 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 exactly right. Yes. I, I feel for you legitimately trying to evaluate like, no, no, they're the 11th best team. 
Now the 12th best, like they're all the same teams. They're, and and by the way, that also is true at the bottom of the barrel. Outside of one or two teams, there's no abject garbage really either. So it's just a big wash of nothing. And I fear that, let me float. Th this is something I've, I've seen mounting for the last couple of years. Let me lay this theory mm -hmm. on you. Parity has existed now for at least 20 years in pro football, but the Belichick Brady Patriots obscured it with their bizarre ability to knuckleball their way past all the rules that exist for the other 31 NFL <laughs> franchises. And they did football a favor by emerging as this evil empire, much like your New York Yankees did in, in the late stages of the last um, millennium. And that's good for sports. You need to have an evil empire, at least one loathsome bunch that most of America is rooting against. The Patriots were that, but without that, we're just in the abyss. If it's a year-to-year -year league and somebody's good and like, oh, Josh Allen's bills, are they, they, first of all, they don't present as loathsome and I don't know what it's going to take for them to get there. And by the way, I have no ax to grind with the Chiefs. They haven't done anything to hurt me. I mean, they beat they beat the Steelers last year. I didn't have any expectation that the Steelers were going to go mm -hmm. in the arrowhead and knock them off in the wild card round. I, that was one of those happy to be there um, kind of things. But you get what I'm, what, what I'm oh, getting yeah. at here. This is... This is like I've bellyached for years about college football and it being too top heavy that there are four or five teams that possess all the talent and therefore all the gold at the end of the season. The opposite, though, is not good for pro football. If it's just like just wait for your number to come up, eventually it'll it'll come up in the great game of bingo in the NFL. Eventually your number is going to come up out of the uh, the ping pong shooter yeah I, ping pong ball shooter. you're you're a student of the game check you know the history of it as well as anybody like i think we're just in one of those transition periods kind of similar to how you know the cowboys dynasty ended in 96 or so and then the patriots even though they won in 01 that dynasty really started to me around 03 so maybe we're in that like you know a five-year window here uh post patriots where there's going to be another team and um you know i see what you're saying i think it's always good to have the big bully um, but at the same time, for fan bases like my favorite team and I, everyone else that's been downtrodden, there is an excitement to this season, this idea that like we saw what happened with Cincinnati last year, who at the beginning of last season on my power rankings were in the low 20s, maybe even like 30 or something. And they end up coming within a drive of winning the Super Bowl. There's there is a um, anarchy to the, the setup where you feel like anything could happen because. You know, one of those, uh, again, the big three to me, uh, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, like if something goes wrong with any of those teams, it's even going to be more madness in the league. So, yes, it's always good to have that that bully. And I think you you did nail the other thing about what's going on with the league, because there's the the, the teams that we thought entering the season that would be good, very good, have all seemed to come down. And then all the teams that we thought were going to be wretched uh, bottom feeders, they seem to have improved. So it just created this giant soft underbelly uh, that uh, for everyone, we're trying to figure out what the league is. And it's just, it's kind of like a, a big mass, a blob that you're trying to find form to. And there's, it's just, there's nothing there right now. Yeah. I mean, and, and the bottom line for me is I find it unsatisfying because ultimately I'm not somebody who I'm not one of those weird a curmudgeons who's like when, when when the game is 13 10 they're like this i know i'm in the minority but I love oh this my god don't ball. get me started on that rosenthal and sessler whenever this happens like you know i actually like this game they were talking about the thursday night game last week and i'm like pulling out my hair i'm like are you kidding me 
Come on now. 12 to seven I love, is not I a love good dominant game. defense. <laughs> Obviously, I love dominant defense. You know, that's a, a, it's that's your thing. It's fun to watch that. And I also love watching um, Tennessee and Bama get into triple digit scores, too. And I like the shootouts. I love the Rams and Chiefs in the Coliseum a few years ago. And I but I feared that that might become football forever, that every right. game was going to become sort of insane shootout where no one ever stops anybody. And that wouldn't be satisfying. Ultimately, I want entertaining. And so far, most of the games have not been terribly entertaining. I think that's the real issue, right? Uh shoot you know i i've heard this and now you're saying and it's making me maybe look at things in a different light i haven't sensed like i'm watching bad football but you know to your point tom brady said it a week ago in his press conference tom brady who just seems like the most unhappy man in the world right now but that's a whole other discussion yes indeed indeed. they asked him about you know what's going on in the league right now and and he very matter of factly responded in his press conference like i'm seeing i'm watching when i a lot of bad football i'm just watching a lot of teams playing bad football so yeah maybe this is hey tom i watched you in akershire i watched you in akershire on sunday i was watching some bad football there at 12 you're calling Ooh, an accuracy, yeah. huh? Well, I have to. It's the law. No, you don't. You know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to wind up in <laughs> into pokey over there on the banks of the three rivers. That locked me up for that. Actually, I think I would be a hero for for not abiding. That's bad. Accuracy is bad. That's a rough one. Yeah, that's a rough one. <laughs> Especially in the yins are. But you know, dude, yins going down. <laughs> yeah, I'm you getting gonna go accuracy. Going to go downtown there, up in the north side. Yeah, accuracy. You know what? What? What'd you say? Accuracy. <laughs> I think you have to admit, though, a little bit, Dave, part of this is your frustration that you're you're just one of the you're part of like you're the center of that soft underbelly now with the with the Steelers. And that's informing on some level your global take about the league, Uh, because it is strange, even for someone that I don't have any issues with the Steelers one way or the other. But it is kind of weird. We're in this transition where the Steelers really are just another team. There's nothing like even when the Jets go to Akrasher and get the big W a couple weeks ago, it didn't feel like the old days where you go there and you win in Pittsburgh and like, wow, that is a sign that we've made it. That's got to be coloring your analysis a little bit, right? No, it, in fact, I mean, given the where the season was, um, you know, a few days ago, I, I'm happy to be in, in the mediocre middle, the, in the meaty middle class, or if that even is where the Steelers are after one 60 minute stretch against uh, Brady and company. No, I, I'm I'm cool with it. I made my peace with it, you know, a couple of years ago. This is Eddie, not this roster is not uh, a Super Bowl contender. I think that as somebody said, I don't know who said it, but I but I liked it that they're trying to fuel the plane um, while it's in the air. I think that's what they're trying to do. They, they you know they don't want to bottom out to three and fourteen and um, and have to rebuild on that level. So I, I you know I think they're trying to stay relevant. You know, take a run at wild card spots and so on while they get back up to speed and and where they where the Steelers and the Steelers fans assume they belong um eternally which is in the mix for a Super Bowl bid but um yeah no I, I'm I'm kind of cool with where they are right now I I didn't set expectations at a at a wild level so I'm not feeling disappointed right now I do think people are getting awfully histrionic on the banks of the three rivers though and I feel like it really peaked there was a transition that took place there in Pittsburgh two, three weeks ago, Kenny Pickett was thrown into the game to save the day. And so he did. 
rallied the Steelers to great tens of thousands of Yinzers waving gold flags. And he took them and, and rallied them ahead of the Jets, a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. All is back to right. In Pittsburgh, the Jets are going to be put down. The Steelers are on the way back up with their rookie QB, and all will be happy. And then Zach Wilson happened. I feel like that story was a little lost nationally. I don't just mean in Pittsburgh, but I felt like that was the dawn of something to me, that you knew the Jets roster with Joe Douglas was building towards something. But the the key factor is, is Zach Wilson the real deal? I think he made some nails throws. That ball pops out of his hand. I don't want to compare him to Josh Allen, but on that level with that quick release and the way the ball fires out of there like a laser, the weaponry and so on, you're feeling it right now. Four and two Jets, right? I mean, tell me though, I know you're I, I know you're cautious. You don't want to get over your skis here. But at what you touch on, the Steelers are tracking to be bad. Just because they beat the Buccaneers, that doesn't change the fact that they're probably going to be two and six as they as they hit the midway point and get into their bye. Tell me, Dan, I have some questions. I need your help. You are my Sherpa. I feel like I may be on the cusp of being a football poor. I felt joy watching the Steelers with the no secondary and everything win a game 20 to 18. And it felt it filled my heart with glee. And maybe that's the wrong reaction. I should be like, yeah, it's a home game and we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. And of course we did what we're supposed to do. Not get too high, not get too low. And yet I felt euphoric with the victory. So like I say, I'm a football poor. Teach me. How do I deal with the emotions of being a team, uh, of being a fan of a team that maybe shouldn't uh, shouldn't expect to win games week in and week out? uh, Can you help me? along the way here with that teach you how to be a football poor Mm. okay i'm gonna try because it's been i'm very good at it i've been i've learned how to live life on the dole uh 1930s depression style photos (laughs) on the bread line um i did i'll say one thing let me just say this about zach wilson Mm. i'm not ready to say we have taken flight with our quarterback yet he did not do Anything really of note in the win at Lambeau Field, for instance, his stat line will tell you he threw for about 120 yards uh, without a turnover, but he threw a couple balls up for grabs. He remains kind of the one question mark that otherwise I feel really good about the Jets' chances of making a playoff run this year, but I still need to see more. That said, I understand he did have some money throws in that Steelers game, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a wait and see there. Uh, As far as you did get duped, but you, well, I, I don't blame you. Rex Ryan. I've been hurt many times. You and Rexy both got duped (laughs) by the Sanchez there. And and so I I understand you taking a a cautious approach here. But okay, let's talk more global. I also got duped by Sam Darnold and Browning Nagel Mm -hmm. and Glenn Foley and any other number of jet failures along the way. Anyway, Browning Nagel on you, man. That's now you went too far. (laughs) So you still have Dick Todd. You still have uh, the great rich. Well, that uh, that predates you. You don't even remember watching poor Dick Todd um okay first question um do I Uh, do I I have to in the age of red zone and every game being at my fingertips do I am I obliged to sit there and watch every minute of my team's game no I I do not sign off or condone people you know bailing on their team for good. I know you would never do that. You're a legit fan. Um, I never thought about leaving the Jets. I will say the last 10 years uh, in concert with working for the league and being around it all the time, 
maybe has changed a little bit of how I view the Jets as, you know, I'm not like as like live or die, although I kind of still am. But I think it's that's mostly because it was 10 straight years of terrible football. Um, but here we are. I think the way I've played it and you, I think you'll probably be similar where they're always going to be your team. And you're going to always want to watch them and, and just see how they're doing. You have a young quarterback and Kenny Pickett. Hopefully this concussion isn't something that lingers. He gets back in the lineup and you get to see some of the young players. TJ Watts can eventually come back and restore some dignity to their defense. And they could be a team that's even frisky. Again, giant soft underbelly. Let's not even bail on the Steelers making some noise in December yet. Uh, that's my feeling on it. But in general, if they do indeed suck this year, and that's just what it is, Yes. So what I would do with the Jets is I would put them in their own bucket. It's like, I like the Jets, but the Jets aren't really in the NFL. The the NFL is for teams that are in a fight for the Lombardi trophy. And that's how I kind of viewed these last 10 years. This is our 10th year of the around the NFL podcast. I would root for the Jets. We talk about them sometimes on the show, certainly a lot less as the season went on and the Steelers just become this other attraction. Hmm. So tune away, especially when they're not competing and, and, and they're just not, doing the thing focus on the league where the teams are competitive and playing games that interest you uh but i hope i hope dave that you don't go into a deep dark period here uh the way i did but it's okay not to have the same laser focus on your team that would be my general take they are they are in a different bucket there's the teams going for the super bowl there's your steelers try to stay sane along the way okay Okay, that's good. And then, you know, I understand what's going on in the here and now, and my team isn't obviously going to wind up in the Super Bowl. So next question is, when is it okay to start talking (laughs) about next spring's draft? Yeah, well, that's the other part of this equation, Dave. There's the in-season handling of uh, a team that's irrelevant. The draft becomes way, way too important and exciting Mm -hmm. because that's when – and you know the Steelers, they're overall run well and have been for a long time. They're going to have, especially now, they're probably going to have a higher draft pick, some higher draft picks as they uh, make this transition. Uh, they won the draft. Oh, wow, the Steelers, they're ready to get back on top. And you're going to have these feelings of intense excitement uh, when you hear all the draft nicks like Daniel Jeremiah saying that the Steelers just filled many of their holes and then the season starts. And then you realize that half these draft picks do not pan out and you might still have a quarterback problem. And if you have a quarterback problem, you have the biggest problem there could be. So you are going to get sucked in every spring and then through the summer and then reality hits in the fall. But that's only if your team stays bad in the cycle of dysfunction. I just don't see it with your Steelers though, Dave, I think they're going to, go through this post-bend period and figure things out, but I guess we have to wait and see. Well, I, I got to keep my eyes wide open. I don't want to get surprised. And as far as that goes, I think people get proud of being able to predict that or that they get gravitas through cynicism. I think this is an ongoing trend that you see in the sports media and the world at large. Um, do I need to in advance of games like going into, you know, <laughs> 10 point dog at home to Tom Brady and company? Do I need to do like the majority of, of fans do and issue dire um, predictions and be like, do, you know, do I have to take that posture of like, uh, dude, uh, sorry, don't want to be the one to tell you, but we got no chance in this game. Yens. Like, is that <laughs> does that give you some sense of dignity? 
in advance of the game? Or do you find that that works or no? It's sort of like, you know how they always say like the death penalty, like that's a, a sense of closure and then it happens and you're like, you know what? I don't feel any better because because uh, my loved one is still gone and that isn't fixed. Sure. Like this is the reverse of that by predicting doom. And then when it happens, it's like, see, can't hurt me. I am a rock. Right. I am an island and a rock There's feels a, no yeah. pain, you know? Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. You're like protecting yourself right. from what you see coming. Uh, I think that's, especially if the losing becomes ingrained over multiple years, um, in general, you become less invested in the upsets happening. So like a Tom Brady or whatever Tom Brady was before this season, when he's coming into the building, you're kind of, you've already, yes, prepared yourself for this thing to get very ugly. And then if you get surprised, that's great. But yeah, I think, Lowering expectations in general, I think, is going to be healthy for you during this era. You don't have to be leading the charge and telling everyone how bad your team's going to be and has no chance. But it, like as any real fan, you could say, yeah, it's probably not going to work out this week. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, but it might. And then maybe you get surprised. And if, if they don't show up and they get blown out, you get to, you know, like front facing stiff upper lips say, well, yeah, of course they, mm-hmm. they, they're just not ready for that uh, stage. And this is a superior team coming into Acrisure and they took care of business. So yeah, I, but in, it's a lowering of expectations without letting cynicism just overwhelm you like a tidal wave and lose that joy as a fan. That's still deep within. Well, I mean that, that I can relate to because my whole life is predicated on exactly that, like low expectations. <laughs> this guy, I walk into any room and this is what you see. And then I open my that mouth and it's like, rah, right. rah, rah. like nobody expects anything good. You know, <laughs> if I if I contribute, if I contribute a single nugget to to the ongoing movement that is uh, afoot wherever I am, then like that's a victory. Like we expected zero out of that loser and he right. gave us a little something. So, OK, I get you there. OK, last thing for you, Dan, let's go fast action here. You are the power ranker. So power rank some things for us here. Mm-hmm. The New York Jets. Versus the New York got, Giants. New York, New York. Uh, Power rank uh, those two head to head. All right. I think the Giants, uh, it's very close. Um, but I think the Giants, they have one extra win. It is the power rankings, not the power standing. So I, I try not to get too caught up in records. I think the Giants with um, the way they've, the, the schedule, especially the last two weeks, the you know, the way they've hung in every one of these games, Saquon Barkley has been an all pro level MVP level guy. The offensive line has been much better than expected. And Wink Martindale, uh, do they have a coordinator of the year award? They should, if they, they don't, do. they do have the, he deserves coach it. of the year. Sure. More, yeah. Wink I think the giants that. are, uh, I think the jets have a higher ceiling potentially or not potentially. I think the jets do have a higher ceiling, but I think the giants deserve to be ahead of the jets. I'm going to have the giants crashing the top 10 this week to give you a little tease of the power rankings to come, which is crazy. And I'm going to have the jets around 12 or 13, which is also unheard of since I've been doing this. Uh, but I have the giants a little bit ahead of the jets right now, but the jets I think have the better chance if you know if that makes sense sure. to make some noise in January if they ever got there. Well, I, what I don't like is Elijah Moore in the midst of a three-game win streak asking, like, I don't know why I'm not getting more targets. Listen, man, now's not the time, you know? And conversely, no. I think the thing that should be should give Gents fans the most optimism is – 
Thibodeau's just now arriving and Ojalari and they're winning games. And, and, and those two, you would look on a piece of paper in August, or at least I did and said, well, that's the strength of the team is that defensive front seven. They can really make some hay and uh, decimate some game plans. And those two haven't really fully exploded onto the scene yet. If those guys get better as the year goes along, the gents then become, re- remain relevant through Thanksgiving and maybe into the holidays. Next up, in the 20-plus year race, Belichick, Brady, all of a sudden, I did not see this coming three, four weeks ago, but all of a sudden, Belichick ahead of Brady in the all-time power rankings? Oh, yeah. Well, it's always been a very chicken or egg type thing with these guys, and Brady seemed to land the knockout punch with that Super Bowl win his first year in Tampa. Uh, but here is Belichick. I think Belichick, I think... I think you always got to go with the player and the quarterback. I think he's ahead, but it's kind of weird to try to put them against each other. Brady is the goat, but Belichick people and all through the summer. And this is another subplot on around the NFL. You know how it is. You just talk about the same things over and over in the summer waiting for football to arrive. I can't tell you how many like jokes and, and conversations were about the Patriots have no idea what they're doing anymore. Bill's, getting old. What's up with Matt Patricia and Joe judge having prominent roles. Look at these training camp practices. They're so out of whack. And like the whole time I was saying, no, calm down. This dude is an all time. Great. He knows what he's doing, Bill. And just because Matt Patricia is quote, calling the plays, you don't think everything is going through Belichick. And sure enough, after a bit of a weak start for the team where they were searching for themselves, they look like very much to me, like a nine and eight, 10 and seven, wild card level team. And that's, yes, so much of that goes back to Belichick. I thought there was a great moment at Lambeau a few weeks back when Bailey Zappi, who, by the way, is named, I don't know if you know this, after the Scott Wolf character on Party of Five. Whoa. Literally, that's what he's named after. I didn't Wolf. know that. I, that, that makes us like, old, right? Yeah, that, that's that's very, that's a 19, like mid-90s Fox uh, drama. Um, for those that don't know, but he once after, saw him once saw uh, him at uh, at a golf tournament at the LA Open. Said hello to him. It was very exciting. <laughs> was was he short? I bet he was really he, short. Well, you know how it goes. Very yeah. few, very few showbiz handsome fellows are tall. The the exception that I'm aware of is uh, Hollywood phony John Hamm. He's tall. Yeah, well, I know. I know you have your your Hamm issues. He's very tall, and like you've always said, the key has always been the jawline, which Hamm has, and. We do not. But uh, there was a moment at Lambeau when we knew Mac Jones was out the week before with the ankle. And then he had Brian Hoyer immediately get concussed. He was out. And you see Belichick talking to this terrified kid, Bailey Zappi, on the sideline, uh, just squatting in front of him, just trying to like teach him through this huge moment with the crowd going nuts. It was like, that's the dude. That's Belichick. And sure enough, Bailey Zappi, three weeks later, is thrown for 300 yards uh, in blowout wins. And I, I think you have to give it to Brady because because he's the quarterback and the guy making the plays on the field. But Belichick, it cannot be slept on um, how special he is. And he's, he's also once in a lifetime type talent. But we did sleep on him. And I, I, and I count myself among that. I didn't think I refused to write off the Belichick Patriots in 2022 because I have Stockholm syndrome. As same as I wouldn't write off 45-year-old Brady who looks like he'd rather be anywhere but playing football right now. I refuse to write either one of them off. The Patricia stuff, I'm, I'm with you completely. Still, they're a story now because they were a slow burn at the start of the year. People are going to have to catch up with. I'll be interested to see where they come in on the power rankings. Now, 
They're looking up still at the Jets in the standings. The Jets, this isn't really power rankings per se, but Jets win the Super Bowl, but you never get to listen to you 2 again. Are you willing to do that? <laughs> that's a that's a real question. Oh man. You, you hit That's you power. Deep that's there. power having the ability to make that happen. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. Never never again. No more U2 for you. Because the the Jets Super Bowl would be incredible and and I've yeah. o- I've often said like on the pod, I just want to experience one Super Bowl with right. my dad. Right. So I would get that. But you know, you know what Bono means to me, Dave. And even if the the latter years catalog isn't you know stacking up, you're talking about I'm losing that 1980 to you know 2000 catalog mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. You know, for my old man, I will give it up so we could uh, watch the Jets win. That's a Super Bowl. That's, a, that's a tough one. Forget tough the one. flame. You're right. Uh, you're a Jets <laughs> guy now. I love it. Very quickly, I because I you know I like the AFC North or I'm. I'm fascinated by it. It's as mediocre as it gets. First of all, I don't buy the Steelers or Browns contending for that. So who gets it? Ravens or Bungles when it's all said and done? Who who at in the final power rankings who's in who's ahead of the between those two? I feel like the Ravens have betrayed me um multiple times this season. I've locked them up uh in our lockups competition and they've lost Multiple games, including yesterday, late Sunday. Eventually, like a team keeps telling you what they are, you got to believe them. That's an old Parcellsism. And, you know, like that's three out of six games that they had in hand or had a, a lead and the ball and they found a way to lose. Uh, and I don't know what the, is that coaching? I mean, I would imagine it plays a role. The quarterback, obviously, especially on Sunday, bears uh, responsibility. Lamar, as great as he's been overall, those two turnovers were just wretched in the fourth quarter against the Giants. So I'll go with Cincinnati, a team that even when they were struggling out of the gates, I've kept them kind of on the higher end of the power rankings because I just see them and I saw what they did last year. And Burrow, I think, is just one of those guys. I think he's special. Um, So I I have the Bengals winning that division. Baltimore I still see as a playoff team that can make a deep January run. But, man, three and six weeks is interesting, to say the least. Man, yeah, I'm a Lamar guy more than I think most people are. Not just like, ah, he's fun to watch his highlights. There's that um, there's that group, but I'm talking just about in terms of winning long term. Is he the guy? I think I'm more on board with him than most people are. But you see now, this is the effect that I and a lot of people talk about that once you start making $50 million and how it impacts the rest of the roster, you see this is Lamar Jackson with a deeply flawed defense right now. Um, this is what it looks like. There is no wiggle room for mistakes like he made in uh, in Jersey on Sunday. And Man, I'm I'm starting to lean towards the Bungles, but I'm going to stick with the Ravens in the short term here. Um, last, I mean, you're calling Cincinnati the Bungles, so I would imagine there's no way they're going to win any type of conversation like this. So, well, well listen, I like I like Burrow, I I I, I do like, <laughs> but I mean, look, come on, they're still the Cincy Bungles, Yens. Um, last one is um, power rank Sessler Rosenthal. Oh, wow. Okay. Now you're just trying to get me in trouble. Um, I think they both have their strengths, um, have their weaknesses. Sure. Um, We all do. We're all human beings after all. Yeah, as do I. Um, uh, Mark, definitely more a wild card, so high ceiling there. But the floor, there's also a floor. Hmm. Uh, Greg is more steady, um, consistent, uh, but they're both, I mean, listen, they're both tremendous pros and friends of mine. Mm -hmm. So I I just got to call it even. 
I got to call you, it even. Nice try, though, Dave. You can't do that. That's not how you power I, rank. Do you have ties in the power rankings? I, I did. You put me in a bad spot, and I had to hit out. You you stink. And the easy answer is to just go with Sessler above Rosenthal because win or lose, Rosenthal's reaction, as you say, is going to be the same thing that he always. I'm like, I, I don't know. What do I care? I don't, I don't know. He what says do that. He do does say that. But I said, what's the difference? I don't know. What do I you're care? absolutely right. What's the Who cares? You're absolutely right, but that is also a bit of a mechanism. I think it would mm. stick with him in the back of his mind. It, it would it would kick the ribs deep within. He wouldn't share it. Um, so I'm not willing to go down that road. I, I treasure my colleagues too much. But Dave, I didn't. I don't like what you did there. Mm-hmm. I, it's something that's going to stick with me. You put me in a tough spot. You got a one man show here, obviously. So you don't. I don't. I don't get to do it back to you. But you know, whatever. Okay, you could ask. I, me, I like, hate that you ended the show or linguine this way. or something like that. I don't know. Or raviolis, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, but anyway, listen, you have your power rankings to tend to, you go about those. We appreciate you taking a a break from those. So you could share your insights here about the game of football, but more importantly, as always the game of life. And, uh, and you're a winner there, even if the jets aren't by season's end there, we appreciate your time. The power rankings available pretty much everywhere, um, for you. It's in TV form, it's in written form and in audio form covered on the, uh, the magnificent around the NFL. Really, really happy you guys are sticking with that thing. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. Good and one more shameless plug. The power rankings itself is a podcast now with me and Colleen Wolf, the great Connie Fox, AKA the tiny box so that you could catch every Tuesday, uh, in audio form as box. well. Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, you know, it's certain things, you know, stick and then you lose the context point and other people hear it for the first time and it sounds strange, but we're just used to okay. it. Okay. But the last thing is, and you can pass this on to the wolf too. If it's Eagles jets in the Super Bowl, neither one of you can wear the dumb black. I mean, the black jersey, the black pants, what the hell are you doing? You're both green and white. That's it. You don't, you don't get to wear the black hats and the black pants. You're, you're, you're selling an otherwise magical oh, season. Put in a, Shaq, put in a call already. Shaq, don't get me started. Have you noticed the Eagles end zone this season where they're stealing the slanted font of the Jets old 80s logo? That's a disgrace. It all sucks. And, but listen, don't deflect. The, the Jets wearing them black pants is, 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 is a horror show. You're white. And you're green. And that's the end of it. I don't know where this jive came from, but I want it to be done. And I want it to be done now. Not not tomorrow. What? I'm trying to summon the warden from uh, from Shawshank. Not <laughs> not today. Not after breakfast. Now. OK, that's it. Dan Hanzoos. Great stuff. Thank you for your counsel. We wish you well going forward. I'm, I'm picturing you throwing a rock through a, a poster of Raquel Welch right now, and I'm loving it. No, it's Zach Wilson for for hurting my feelings a few weeks ago. (laughs) All right, Chuck. Thank you for having me on. Love you, buddy. Thanks, pal. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. Dan Hanzoos, you guys are uniformly wearing your Yankees uniforms, or at least the caps today. Big one at the time of this recording. We don't know. What's going to go down? Who is going to be in the ALCS to meet the hated Houston Astros? By the way, like I said, the Hanzoos, sports needs an evil empire. We always say that, or every league needs it. The Houston Astros are it. Um, but give us your pick here. How you feeling going into game five? Uh, I don't feel super great, but I feel good enough that I will pick the Yankees in this matchup. I think the big thing is that Terry Francona already said that he's not going to touch 
uh, like Shane Bieber's not pitching because of the two-day rest thing versus the three-day rest thing, all because of the MLB scheduling with the rain out. Um, whereas the Yankees, if they did want to throw Nestor Cortez for a few innings, they could. I know Jamison Taylor's probably available as well. Um, this could have been avoided if they just used Clay Holmes in the ninth inning during game three. Yankees would have won game four, would have been over with, but that's not obviously how baseball works. But like I said in the last pod uh, with Hench, you know, these MLB managers overmanaging the bullpen, it struck again and just overthinking stuff and to the, the point where Aaron Boone is being called out by his players. Um, but I think the Yankees at home, the Bronx should be able to take care of business in this one. They have, uh, I guess, more available starting pitchers and it, it's going to be a bullpen game for the Indians. And the biggest thing is the Yankees offense needs to show up. They need to explode, score a bunch of runs because, you know, this is no offense to the Guardians, but you're not going to be able to match the Yankees offense they if you could score you know four or five runs they're most likely not going to match that uh their offense is not their strong suit so the Yankees need to have a a blowout game where they're hitting a few bombs and uh and they can win this one smoothly and then you know take on the hated Ashers you said so I I am going to go Yankees tonight um maybe by I'd, I'd say another two run game Guardians of traffic. That's what Major League Baseball deserves for its stupid structure of its postseason. They're getting exactly what they deserve. All right, best wishes to Yanks fans, Tribe fans. Well, not not Tribe fans. I I can't get that out of my head. That in and of itself is not an offensive term, by the way. A lot of tribes uh, exist out there. But Guardians of traffic is what I mean to say. Best wishes to all out there. Muzzle tub to all your teams that won this weekend. Better luck next time, next weekend. For all the football fans, who were on the losing side of things. We'll be back on Thursday with the aforementioned Kevin Hench. Until then, thanks to Dan Hanzoos, thanks to Eddie Spaghetti, and thank you, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>